Shohei Otani reminds everyone why he is the MVP this past weekend. Mike Trout gets hit and we get mad. Plus, we answer all of your questions about the Halos. You're Locked On with Mike and John, and this is Locked On Angels. You are Locked On Angels, your daily Los Angeles Angels podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Angels your first listen of the day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. What's going on? Thanks for joining us for this edition of Locked On Angels. Happy Monday. My name is John, and that's my brother Mike. And my name is Mike, and that's my brother John. You got the Frisch Brothers here with you to start out your week. Thanks for listening. And I think the most important thing that we do is celebrate the series win against the Texas Rangers, Mike. I called it on you Friday. Did. I said you we're celebrating a win, baby. <laughs> you said if they, if they lose on Thursday, it's a must win on Friday and Saturday. And we come out of the weekend sitting in first place in That's the right. AL West. When was the last time that the Angels <laughs> were in first place in the AL West? I think when we were 1-0 and against the White Sox <laughs> last season to start yeah. the season. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, probably. No kidding. We didn't get there by any conventional means, that's for sure. No, <laughs> and we'll talk a lot to... about that, but I think that what we need to discuss, John, is, well, I'll let you choose. Do we want to talk about the good, or do you want to start with what we're really mad about? I think let's start with what's infuriating us, and that is Spencer Patton being public enemy number one after hitting Mike Trout on the hand. Fortunately, the x-rays came back negative, so Trout is going to be day-to-day. He likely will not play against the Astros on Monday, so we probably won't see him there, and they'll take it day-by-day, but it does seem promising. I saw that Trout was pretty upset, thinking, oh, shoot, did I just lose another few games of the season? Is this another repeat of last season? Because our hope for the Angels this season hinges on a healthy Mike Trout, as well as healthy Rendon, healthy Otani, all of that, but... Man, when I saw him get hit with that pitch, I was like, oh, it's over. <laughs> now, it looked like Patton lost complete control of that pitch. Yeah, I mean, I that, that, that sucker was, was going to hit him no matter what Mike Trout did. Yeah, 81 mile an hour slider that just got away. It was like, hit, hit the zone, bro. What right. are you doing? <laughs> well, and, and luckily, luckily for Mike and luckily for Angel fans, it was a slider. It wasn't a fastball. Yeah. But I mean, you right. could hear that thing pop off the hand Woo! and yeah, immediately Mike was feeling some pain. The thing that I really was frustrated with was Angel Twitter was really coming to the defense of Mike Trout because there were so many fans saying, see, Trout is just like glass. Like, he is so injury prone. But this is another one of those instances where this isn't a Mike Trout issue. This is a because the bag hit him wrong or because the ball right. hit him in his hand. Like, this guy is not glass. This guy is not injury prone. It just doesn't seem to go his way in certain moments. And so the Angel Twitter was coming to the defense of yeah. Mike Trout because these fans are just coming at Trout. And I don't understand that at all. I think he's the GOAT. And I'm not just saying that because he's an Angel player. I'm saying that because he actually is the GOAT, right? Exactly. Well, and I'm, I was happy to see that the consensus among baseball fans was, this sucks. Like, don't yes. let Trout get hurt. Protect Trout <laughs> right. at all costs. So... That was uh, that. That's the consensus that I saw among fans. So yes, that was scary. Hopefully, Trout will recover soon, and we'll have him back shortly. But as we look at the weekend, uh, Otani had a breakout. 
this weekend. He did. He proved that he was the MVP and suddenly has found his swing again. He's yeah. found his confidence again. I have loved that he's hitting home runs, but I also loved that he's hitting little dribblers down the third baseline <laughs> against the shift, right? right? And then he's hustling and, and getting to first base and he's going first to third. John, what changed this weekend for Shohei Otani? I looked into it and I looked at his fan graphs heat map of when he's up to the plate. And I noticed that most of the pitches that are being thrown to him were either from the middle of the zone down. So a significant portion of the pitches he's seeing were from the middle zone down to the bottom of the zone. Okay. And then right there at the top of the strike zone where, as we saw, that's where he loves swinging. That's it his and money can, pitch. <laughs> that's his first, that's his first pitch of the game. I'm seeing uh, money pitch where he gets that, right at the top of the zone, and he can crush that every time. So they were just throwing to his swing path is what I think happened. Okay. And even I think he would have even had more success, and you saw some sweet plays from Cole Calhoun. Yes. I miss his defense yeah. in the field, but I I wouldn't trade for his bat right now. But it was great to see Cole Calhoun like have some success and reunite with the Angels and everything, and he was teasing Otani. But, yeah, I think that what changed for Otani – was connecting on the pitches that he should be connecting on. Seems like he was taking a lot of strikes in that first couple series against yeah. the Astros yeah. and the Marlins. So I think somebody had a conversation and said, you got to swing, dude. You got to swing. And right. sure enough, first pitch out of the gate, boom. <laughs> well, and it seemed like that was the narrative of the weekend because Matty V even pointed out how many times the Angels were striking out looking. Yeah, and, and guys, you got to swing the bat. And we saw them do that this weekend. Here's some stats, John. Angels lead the majors in home runs with 15. Come on. They are second in stolen bases. And here's the stat that blew my mind. Their starting pitching staff leads the American League in strikeouts with 42 oh. strikeouts. Jeez. And Noah Syndergaard had a weekend, and he had a second great start for the Angels. Six innings yeah. pitched. 82 pitches, two runs, five hits, four Ks. His ERA is 1.59. Come on. He looked remarkable. He is Noah, Cy Young, Syndergaard, and we're going to (laughs) double down. We need to start contract negotiations with that boy right now. Heck yeah. Yeah, Matt Birch tweeted out that Noah Syndergaard is the first pitcher to work five plus innings and allow two or fewer runs in both of his first two games for the Angels since Andrew Heaney did it in 2015. Yep. And he said Syndergaard is the first right-hander to do it for L.A. since Weaver in 2006. There is your Jared Weaver reference on the show. You got it in. (laughs) Have you seen the success that Andrew Heaney is having with the Dodgers? (laughs) I refuse to even think about that or look to that. I'm just going to focus on our team, John. (laughs) Let's let's continue to talk about the weekend. Of course, Friday, we saw Aaron Loop, Ryan Tapera. Rysel Iglesias, four and a third inning, one hit, two walks, five Ks. So there's that improved bullpen that Perry got us this for Christmas this uh, season, <laughs> well, then right? We also saw Archie Bradley pitch two innings on Saturday, and he yeah. threw 20 pitches. And then he was interviewed after the game, and he talked about how this team has got a vibe. This team has got mm. a feeling, and they believe like in each other. And I love that he's bringing that energy. And he even said he was standing next to Oliver Ortega, and he says, I even like Ortega. Like, we're all really good friends now, and we've only been <laughs> together for just a few months. Right. And then, of course... 
Taylor Ward taking us to the psych ward. <laughs> First game back, Taylor Ward crushes one. So that was really cool to see. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's exciting. You know, on tomorrow's show, we're going to talk a little bit about Taylor Ward, but I, I have to admit that at first I was not a fan, and you know this, and I've mm. struggled with Taylor Ward, but tomorrow we're going to talk a little bit more about him because I think he's starting to win me over, Jonathan. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I just think that he's got something in him that is going to be special, and we'll talk more about that on tomorrow's show. Mike, you mentioned this a minute ago, but you said the Angels lead the majors in home runs with 15. They're tied for second in stolen bases with six. Thank you, uh, Tyler Wade, and an unexpected contribution from Anthony Rendon the other night. (laughs) He was trying to draw the throw. How about that? Jonah Heim just let him have it. (laughs) And how about Andrew Velasquez? Andrew Velasquez has been playing some solid defense and getting some timely hits. Yeah, I think so too. I think that Velasquez stepped up and stepped in very well this weekend. That said, I think that this weekend was a success. And I'm so glad that we're celebrating a not just a couple of wins, but a series win taking three out of four games against the Rangers is the exact kind of ball that we need to play. Coming up on Locked On Angels, we open the mailbag and answer your questions. But first, Locked On Angels is brought to you by BetOnline. Check out BetOnline.net. It's your number one source for all betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start, of course, of Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sporting, wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked On Angels your first listen of the day. Now for your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. You're going to get recaps of the MLB games with analysis from our local experts, kind of like Mike and I, taking fans through the season like no other network. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. We want to get into our very first Monday mailbag as the host of Locked on Angels. We really appreciate everybody who contributed questions. And I think that this is the question that's on everybody's mind. This one comes from Twitter. Disappointed Angels fan at zero zero dudes. (laughs) Here we go. This is it. Uh, Did Joe Madden prove us all wrong by winning despite that intentional walk with the bases loaded? Or was he just lucky? Mike, what do you think? I think it was a brilliant move. Oh, come on. It was a brilliant move. You don't think it was a brilliant move? If you don't think it was a brilliant move, you haven't been paying attention to Joe Madden for his entire career. Here's why. Joe Madden is quirky. Joe Madden is a bit awkward. Joe Madden makes decisions that are not a part of what baseball would typically do. And he puts players in positions that, stop laughing at me. He puts players in positions that normally don't play in those positions and they end up being successful. That's why a Tyler Wade is perfect for Joe Madden. That's why a Matt Duffy is perfect for Joe Madden. I would even say somebody like a Jose Rojas is perfect for Joe Madden because he can put him anywhere. And that move fired up the team. I know it was unconventional. I know it was strange, but I thought it was a brilliant move. And here's why it was brilliant. They won, Jonathan. <laughs> they won. Come at me. What you got? Come at me. I think Joe giving away a run like that and then having Mitch Garver come up and hit another sacrifice fly. And then Austin Warren had the Bach. Like, 
I think it was a complete disaster, and I think that he lucked out. Look, Joe Madden doing what he did makes me think of like buying a lottery ticket for ten dollars and paying with a twenty and getting ten dollars back and going, oh, I got ten dollars! Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's what I think this feels like. And 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 I understand like he said after the game, like I, th- I wanted to fire up the dugout, I wanted to fire up the guys, and maybe that's what happened because they certainly came out in that next inning and and scored five or six runs and took the lead. But, dude, you do not want to see that look on Mike Trout's face ever again. When they showed him in center field going, what did I sign up for? Why? Can I get out of my extension? Can I get out of my contract? No, see, I'm sure he he sat down and talked with Mike Trout. I'm sure he gave great clarity to Trout. And when they won the game, Mike Trout probably thought, man, that was a brilliant move, coach. So glad. <laughs> so glad that you're my manager. Mike Sosha, who? Brad Osmus, who? <laughs> oh, Osmus. So, okay, what does that say about his confidence in Austin Warren in that situation? Because we like Austin Warren. I think that what you're seeing with the Angels' bullpen is this. The homegrown guys are not guys that are exuding confidence in management. Okay. The guys that they have signed via free agency are the guys that they are confident in. And there's sure. a there's a giant gap between the two and that's why Joe Madden made that decision because I think some of those young guys he's just not confident in, but you can tell that he's confident in those guys that they have signed via free agency. You know who else didn't like it? I was in the car uh with my wife Abby on the way to meet some friends and I was listening on the radio and Langston was like flabbergasted. Really? <laughs> he was not a fan of giving away the run. And the other thing is, is I know that uh, Corey Seager has not seen the Angels too often. I know that he was on the Dodgers and so we do have a history with him. But against Austin Warren, he was 0-1 and I it might may have even been a strikeout. But I know that he has seen Warren before and Warren was able to get him. So... I, I understand that you don't want the momentum to shift. You don't want another Jonah Heim on Thursday situation happening. And so I think that there is a situation where I could see why this makes sense. But just whenever it comes to attention to the Angels, it always feels like it's something bad. And and Friday night on Twitter, the Angels were getting lit up because of this decision. But we came back and won. So I, I don't know if he proved us wrong or if he was lucky. I lean toward the side of Lucky, but I know that he's 2-0 in games when he's done this. He did it to Josh Hamilton in 2008, and it was against the Rangers when he was coaching the Rays. Why, we appreciate your uh, your opinion there, John. It's wrong, but we appreciate your opinion. <laughs> All right, keeping on the Joe Madden train, and this question might have had a different answer if it didn't work out for him on Friday, but Ryan Austin uh, from Instagram underscore danger is my middle name. Uh, he said, will Madden be back next year? I think that that all depends on where the angels are at. Maybe in June, perhaps in July. It depends I on how many that... times he intentionally walks someone the rest of the season. <laughs> You're not going to let run. that go. Are you right? <laughs> I think it just depends on where they're at. I think it depends on where they're going to be because I could see Perry giving him maybe perhaps a, one-year extension. I could Mm -hmm. see him maybe talking maybe a two-year extension, but something tells me that Perry wants his guy, and I don't know if Joe Madden is Mm. his guy. So 
I sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here, but I think if the Angels are successful and they look good in June and July, you're going to see a one-year extension and you're going to hear Madden say, yeah, feel good about it. You're going to hear Perry say, yeah, feel good about it. But I think it's (laughs) going to be like a test, like a toe in the water. Like, let's give it one more shot and let's see what happens. But I think that Perry really wants his guy. And so if Joe Madden cannot get this team together, I think we see somebody else in the dugout next year. What about you? I think Joe Madden is Perry Minot guy until he's not right just like yeah. you said yeah it depends i mean this has to be a winning season it is an absolute must win season and and maybe it doesn't even mean going to the playoffs but at least having a winning record this season agreed <laughs> and agreed. i know that we have a better chance of getting into the playoffs because of the expanded playoffs but you said something earlier when you were talking about archie bradley and how he loves being there and he's already friends with guys he's never met before like Ali Ortega, that feels like it's coming from Joe Madden and the mm. clubhouse culture that he's created. I you know, it could sure. also be that the Angels are just cool guys to hang out with, and we have a lot of cool people on the team. <laughs> a lot of cool guys. But I have to think that all we've heard from Joe since he got here is culture, culture, culture. Yeah, right? Absolutely. And I also think that if you don't extend Joe Madden at least one more season, I think you're kind of doing him a disservice because... Really, hasn't it only been one full season right. with Joe Madden? Yeah. I yeah. mean, the, the pandemic season was just not the right time to start, and it just worked out that way. Agreed. I mean, if he had had a full 2020, I think that we would be where we are now maybe like a year ago this time. Okay. In terms of connectivity and cohesiveness and and culture. That seems to be the Joe Madden way when he's coached other teams. It's taken a couple of years to get the culture developed and then they ended up being successful. Tampa Bay was that way and Chicago was that way. And so I agree with you. I think just for that, I think you got to give him at least one more year so that he can put his fingerprints on this because your first two years, you're really inheriting what was before you. It's that third year where you begin to put your thumbprint, your fingerprints, your, your attitude, your passion into the team and the people that you're leading. Locked on Angels is brought to you by Built Bar. Now, listen, I know we're all questioning if Joe Madden made the right decision or not on Friday, but you can make a great decision by getting yourself a Built Bar. It's a low-calorie, high-protein bar, good for replacing candy bars. The good news is you don't have to feel bad about eating one because they are better tasting than candy bars and better for you. Uh, a typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. So you're going to feel full and satisfied. At Built Bar, they're all about taste. They make it taste delicious first and then figure out how to make it healthy. And if you haven't tried the puffs yet, you're missing out because they are one of the best tasting Built Bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're incredible. They're not just a protein bar, they're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors like yummy cinnamony churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. These are going to be your new favorite. So go to built.com right now. Use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Get yourself a built bar today. 
right, Johnny. We're going to continue with questions from Halo fans. And thank you for all those that sent in questions. We had so many. We had to turn it into two segments. And so really good questions. And I'm excited to answer some of these. So from our friend Steve Han 7 on Instagram, he asked this question. Who do you think should be our leadoff hitter? Or do you think Otani is the right option? Now, here's his opinion. He said, I think Marsh would be great. So he agrees with you. You've said that before. Mm -hmm. But I know this team has several options. So, John, has your opinion changed? Should it be Marsh? Or are you buying in on Otani? Or is there another player on the Angels that you you think should lead off? I just want to point out that later that day, Steve messaged us again and said, never mind, Otani's back got hot. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, Steve, that's great. Because being a fickle fan is being a fun fan. (laughs) (laughs) so i i agree with steve i think marsh is still an excellent option at the top of the lineup i would like to see otani in the two spot because again you don't mess with success and i know that he had success from the number one spot but you know why because he was coming up again after the bottom of the order was either on base or had just seen the pitcher so in that sense otani wasn't leading off the second time through the lineup But every game you start out, he is going to be leading off. And I think that's a missed opportunity for the Angels to get somebody on in front of him, make that pitcher work a little bit harder because you got to worry about the guy at first base and pitch to Otani. Again, I know this only happens once per game with Otani leading off. And then as we go through the batting order, you might have somebody in front of Otani. But again, I think Marsh would be an excellent option. I wonder about Tyler Wade. I know that his bat is not quite... The, the bat that's going to get you uh, singles all the time, so that batting average might need to come up. But he is fast, and I also think that he could bunt single his way on. He seems like a good option as well. What's your opinion? Talk to me after we play the Houston Astros and a couple of teams after the Astros, because we're playing some good teams over the next couple of weeks. And I'd like to see what Otani can do, not just in a series, but after a few weeks against some really good teams. He struggled against Houston, and he really was successful against the Rangers. Yeah. I'd like to see what he does against Houston first. So I'm gonna I'm gonna push. I'm gonna I'm gonna pause on this one. <laughs> and I think that you 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 stay as is because his bat is hot. But if he starts to struggle, I think you do move him to that number two spot. And I think you put somebody like a Brandon Marsh in that number one spot. Maybe even consider putting a David Fletcher in that spot just so that you can get someone ahead of him who is typically going to get on base. But I think right now I would leave it alone because his bat is really hot. Uh, Same sort of question came from Neil Plant uh, at Dumpster Diver on Instagram. Do you think Madden needs to move Showtime from first in the lineup? Have someone like Wade move Otani back to second? Something needs to give. Clearly, this isn't the spot in the lineup for him. His bat's never been colder. And of course, this came in before the weekend series. But right. would you reiterate kind of the same feelings? Like, right? Yeah, this I out? would double down on that. Absolutely. I think that we just got to, we got to wait and see what he can do against some of those teams. And again, you got to give him some at bats and you got to give him some time. I think Otani is a professional hitter, a professional player. Give him some time to prove himself. And so I would wait a couple of weeks and let him, let it play out. Let him see what he does against these teams coming up. This one came from at Travis 282-19300. That is not a pin number, so don't try it. Uh, Travis <laughs> said, why doesn't Otani take the Eckstein approach of being a leadoff man? Ooh, I love that as in a leadoff man, and I used to call it the Eckstein way. What do you think about that one? Tell me about what you think he's meaning by Eckstein way. 
I think that you work the counts, you work the walks, and and you hit for a good average. I don't think Otani's a leadoff guy. He's just not yeah. a leadoff guy, yeah. and I'm not sure he's ever been a leadoff guy uh, because you have the power of his bat, and he does have the ability to go opposite field uh, that we saw this weekend when he hit that dribbler down the third baseline, which was great, Right, but he doesn't right. do that all the time. 55% of Shohei Otani's swings are pull swings, and that's not yes. the attribute of a leadoff hitter. And so if you think about Eckstein, you're going to get hits to every field, you're going to work counts, and you're not going to be the guy trying to hit the bomb, which is what Otani tries to do. Yeah. That's why I would love to see Fletch in that leadoff spot, maybe as a, as a test to see what happens if Otani is struggling, because he does remind me of Eckstein a little bit. So our friend Matty Nonsense, at Matty Nonsense on Twitter, sent this one in. He said, uh, I couldn't care less about the Dodgers. Amen. <laughs> Preach on, Matty. <laughs> Except for a handful of games when the Angels play them. Why does the fan base constantly worry about what we're doing? I forget they exist once the season starts. And he said, keep up the great work, gents. Uh, so can you, you've talked about this before on our previous podcast. You need to talk about it now. <laughs> Why do we own headspace in Dodger fans' big old noggins. (laughs) Well, I know some Dodger fans who really love the team, and they don't think about the Angels. I think what this comes down to is purely the casual Dodger fan, just like there are casual Angels fans. Because, Mike, when you and I are wearing Angels attire and we go outside and we see somebody and they're like, oh, Angels, huh? (laughs) Not as good as the Dodgers. Like, that's a casual (laughs) fan. That's their first talking point. That's the first thing they think of is this Angels-Dodgers rivalry that doesn't exist. And I think it has everything to do with a casual fan who doesn't understand the dynamics of that we're in the American League, they're in the National League, and we play four times out of the year, (laughs) five times, six times. And so their first talking point is... Angels-Dodgers, oh, who's the better team? And the truth is, record-wise, we are the better team, uh, historically. Uh, just want to point that out. <laughs> but again, I think it's, I think it's a, a, a casual fan problem. And the Dodgers have a huge fan base, and they're going to have their share of casual fans. And so I think that's the first thing that they cling to, and, and that's why it gets brought up all the time. What do you think? I 100% agree and I think you've nailed the casual fan voice. Oh, the Angels Dodgers, Dodgers. huh? What do you got there, huh? Are you wearing the LA? What team's really from LA? Shut up, all right? Shut up. You don't know baseball if you think that there's any sort of rivalry outside of the few games that we play and we'll see you hopefully in the World Series. Shut up. Let's get that freeway World Series, baby. All right, last question comes from John Scott on Instagram. If you could take one player from the 2002 teams, speaking of World Series, put them in the current team, who would you choose? I want Frankie Rodriguez. Okay. And it was a toss-up. It was a toss-up between John Lackey and Frankie Rodriguez. I like that. But because our starting pitching is looking really good, give me Frankie in the bullpen. And can you imagine just extending that bullpen now where you have Archie Bradley and you have Ryan <laughs> Tapera and you have Aaron Loop and you have Frankie Rodriguez and then you have Rysel Iglesias. Oh my goodness, what a bullpen. <laughs> I'm gonna go Who would you I'm take? gonna go with my man Travis here. I'm gonna take Eckstein. We need a shortstop. We need a okay. full time shortstop that we can trust and a leadoff guy. So I'm going with Eckstein, baby. I think that that was a timely question from Travis. So thank you for that. Thank 
Thanks for making Locked On Angels your first listen of the day. Now make your second listen, Locked On MLB, with Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call him Soli. He brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues past and present. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, follow us on Twitter at Locked On Angels and connect with Mike and I on Twitter and Instagram at Super Halo Bros. Mike, what do we have coming up for tomorrow's episode? We're going to talk a little bit about how Taylor Ward is potentially the next Jared Walsh. He's sneaky and unexpectedly good. I like it. By the way, I just want to let everyone know that we'll be up on YouTube soon and we appreciate your patience. Until then, my name is John and that's my brother Mike. And my name is Mike and that's my brother John. And we'll see you right here tomorrow on Locked on Angels.